Hey, soccer fans, this is Nick on the Feed the Fire podcast. Welcome back to another episode. We are recapping the Toronto FC match, the 0-0 draw north of the border at BMO Field. And then we are taking a look ahead to this weekend's matchup against FC Cincinnati. And we'll see if the fire can continue their point streak, we'll call it, their run of draw form anyway points on the road are always welcome especially against some of the top teams in the east uh but unfortunately the fire are still sitting fairly low in the mls standings but before we get into that a quick announcement i had the absolute pleasure of having a conversation with jeff tebbets over at the cincinnati soccer talk website and podcast and uh, was a guest of his on the Jersey Swap podcast. Short conversation talking about the matchup between Cincinnati and Chicago this weekend. So make sure you go follow along the Cincinnati soccer talk. Again, it's not just Cincinnati. Every uh, week they're previewing and talking to hosts and people in the know of other clubs around MLS that Cincinnati's facing off. So great way to follow some great content and get to know the rest of the league. Go check them out. Now let's take a look at the 0-0 draw that Chicago successfully pulled off. And I say successfully pulled off because that second half, it really looked like they were playing for a draw. Like the first half, they were extremely lucky to go into halftime 0-0, as good as Insigne and Bernardeschi had been playing. Now, they weren't world-beating anyone in this match, and Insigne, coming off his best match ever in a TFC jersey, didn't have that same kind of creativity, that same kind of edge to him. And Bernardeschi, coming off his coach's decision slash doghouse of Bob Bradley did not play last game, had some good moments himself, But Chris Brady rose to the occasion, and despite only playing 30 minutes, the Chicago goalkeeper was clearly the man of the match for the Chicago Fire. He came up with some big saves. He must have had three or four saves in that first half hour. And the reason he came out, he ended up blocking a shot, not really spilling it, but deflecting it, and diving to make the recovery, and in doing so, kind of dove right into the knee of a TFC attacker ended up getting just cut and bloodied down his face, needed 14 stitches. But Frank Lopez postgame did say Chris Brady was not in the concussion protocol, but obviously you're going to sub out a guy who cuts his face open. So we will see if Brady ends up getting the start between the pipes this Saturday against Cincinnati. Now, let's take a look at some of the statistics here. It was a 0-0 draw, but do the statistics tell any sort of story for this match. Toronto controlled possession, about 58% possession on the game, with 19 shots and 7 shots on goal. Meanwhile, the Chicago Fire's offense has returned to its prior state of anemia. Four shots, one on goal. The Fire also only ended up with 383 passes to TFC's 514. Not a good passing game, and Given that they had an 81% completion rate, I'm guessing most of those passes were in their own half or in their defensive third. 
there were some good moments that the Fire were able to get a little link-up play going, but they could not turn it into any sort of chance or dangerous opportunity in the opposing uh, zones. Only eight crosses for the Fire. Uh, their goalkeepers, again, Spencer Ritchie, uh, former Cincinnati, so that'll be a good homecoming for him this weekend, especially if he ends up starting. Um, the goalkeepers for the Fire ended up with seven total saves, so they were busy tonight. Fortunately, only one yellow card uh, to each team here, so the Fire didn't get into any sort of chippiness or poor discipline or anything like that. One yellow card. Uh, unfortunately, the Chicago Fire only had an expected goal of 0.6, 0.6 XG. And again, as we've noticed all season, um, they had one good opportunity. That was a Kai Kamara header around the 21st minute that he normally, I would say nine times out of 10, or at least about 144 times before, Kai Kamara is putting this chance away. And he just mistimes it, mishits it just enough where the cross comes in and he ends up heading it behind the far post. Cannot turn it on frame. That could have been the game there. But that was a 40% chance of success. Meanwhile, the other opportunities by the fire uh, Kendall Burks had like a 9% chance getting in on a header. Arno Suke had a header that was about an 8% chance. And Kai Kamara early in the second half at another 4% chance. So that's what's funny. Of their four shots, three were headers. So not only are the fire not creating good opportunities, they're doing pretty much nothing offensively, at least in this match against TFC. And again, if you want to look at the possession splits, the fire really only controlled about five possession splits of five minutes during this game. Uh, and it was the 10 minutes to start the second half. And then in the middle of each half, they had about a five minute spell of possession. So even then when the, the like the fire just sat back and defended, um, if you look at their passing charts, everything is through Jimenez and Navarro. Um, Suke and Shakiri had all the passing on the one side and then, uh, Kendall Burks, Gaston Jimenez, and Rafael Chijos had a lot of passing on the other side, and it was all in the middle or defensive third. They were not getting forward. And if you want to look at where Kutsius and Kamara were on the pitch, according to this passing chart, they were right at the center of the field, right in the middle third of the field, nowhere near threatening goal. And that was something else that I that really stood out to me is – Klopas went back to the 4-2-3-1, having Kutsius play on the left wing and having Kamara start up top as the lone striker. They had success last week with Kutsius playing as a dual striker with Shabilko. They've had success with Kutsius, even if he is playing on the wing in the lineup, in the formation. They've had success when he is getting forward into central areas and getting those long balls over the top from Shakiri. Kai doesn't have the legs to run past defenders. Shabilko doesn't have the legs to run past defenders. And Shakiri, the best passer of the ball on the team, likes to play fast balls, line-breaking passes, or balls over the top. He likes to go quickly. So keeping Kutsius out on the wing, not the best use of his talents. And I think subbing him off at halftime was, was not a result of Kutsius not, not playing well. He worked hard. He put in a shift for the fire, counter-pressing, pressing, trying to get into dangerous areas. But that was just a product of they, they needed to switch some things around. They needed to get Gutierrez on the pitch 
And that's how they ended up. That's how the coaching staff did it. So on top of the formational, meh, on top of Kutsius being out, out of position, on top of, um, you know, Kai and Shabilko not creating anything, getting involved, on top of all of that, on top of some of the defensive blunders too. They had some close calls in the back. And if you're looking at Toronto's shot chart, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine TFC shots in the box. Thank you, Chris Brady. Thank you, Spencer Ritchie. And then TFC had another one, two, three, four, five, six from, they call it zone 14. That is the area of the field just outside of the penalty box that you're attacking. So a lot of high quality opportunities there. TFC had an expected goal of two on 19 shots, seven on target. So um, volume shooting by TFC, a handful of really good chances fortunately turned out. So here's what I would expect going into this FC Cincinnati game. The fire need to, first of all, be, be solid along the back line. You could see how deep Gaston Jimenez and Fetty Navarro were playing and how deep Herbers was playing when he got into the game. The Klopas does not trust the back line. Part of it is injuries. Um, Chihos is, is probably just constantly in pain or has something nagging for the rest of the season, right? And has had it for the last couple of weeks. I'm sure, uh, Klopas has said as much. Also Burks, he's got a long way to go. He had a pretty good game and a lot of people were high on his passing this game, but his marking still leaves a lot to be deserved. He's, he ball watches more than, than a good defender in MLS should. And additionally, the Chicago fire just playing terrible on the set piece defense throughout the last several runs of games too, is something that Burks has been involved with. Um, and if you think about it, if you've got guys like Brandon Vesquez or Lucho Acosta and they are running at or running past playing through and around Kendall Burks, like those are the matchups that opposing teams are going to look for. Um, I've been rough on Burks all season, being very critical of his play, just because let's be honest, it hasn't been good enough. He has been bailed out a lot by the other defenders in the goalkeeping, uh, and he needs to step his game up or he will be on another team, really should be on another team shortly. Now, I will I will say it's not all on him. He needs more senior team minutes, and I'm assuming he's getting a lot more training minutes with the injuries to Carlos Turan, Rafael Chijos, um, Mauricio Pineda. I'm assuming he's getting a lot more quality training minutes, and I'm assuming he's going to get a lot more regular first team live MLS match minutes, uh, and hopefully that can help spurn his development because there is nothing in training that can simulate game speed. So I'm really hoping that Burks continues to develop in much the same way we saw Olmsberg and Tehran last season, the way we saw Gutierrez at the beginning of this season, and the way we're kind of seeing Kutsius when he actually is getting a run of games in, he's he's had two goals now, uh, at least two goals, maybe three total. I can't, I forget if he scored two in MLS and one in us open cup or just one in each. Um, but he has looked a lot better since Klopas has given him a run of games. And that's what these young players need to do. I'm he needs to be protected Burks, no doubt about it. And that's why Klopas has brought these guys back into a much tighter defensive formation. But at the same time, then, you are having a difficult 
time transitioning to offense and getting the ball from the back line or from your D-mids to Shakiri and to Gutierrez or your D-mids then, because everyone says, not that I agree 100%, that Gaston Jimenez is an excellent passer, um, that Fabian Herbers is a pretty good passer. And so if those guys are picking the ball up in the middle third of the field, they can turn and hit a ball to the corner into the channel or lob a ball over the top or play a through ball if they can if they are so far deep, they're playing around the edge of the 18-yard box of their own defensive third, they're not going to be able to hit those long balls with accuracy um, or catch the defense because it's an extra 5 or 10 yards the ball's going to need to travel. So by being compact and protecting your back line, you take away your first line of offense. Um, and I think that's where the fire are struggling initially. And then obviously, like we said before, Shakiri and Gutierrez want to go. Gutierrez wants to push the ball forward dribbling or with short passes, one-two play. Shakiri wants to push the ball forward with long balls, with quick play, with just almost willing the team forward in, in some instances. And with Kamara and Shabilko, or with Jairo Torres, who's still trying to get match fit, it slows everything down and the fire cannot create those counterattacking or transition offense moments where they have shown to be the most dangerous. Let's see how that all translates against FC Cincinnati. And before we touch on FC Cincinnati, I want to remind everyone that the Feed the Fire podcast is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear. Skira Icelandic Spring Water comes from a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland. And clearly, pun intended, this water is the best. It is available at your local 7-Eleven. You know, summertime's coming. Grab a couple bottles of Skira. It's got naturally low mineral content. Keep you hydrated for those summer days and those summer nights when you're up late. Or if you're yelling at the Chicago Fire or your favorite MLS team, go grab a bottle of Skira. Uh, it would mean a lot to our sponsors and our supporters here. Uh, and additionally, if there's anyone else who wants to join in and support what we do here at Feed the Fire and maybe expand some of our programming through your donations and sponsorships, please reach out glasshousesoccer at gmail.com or glasshousesoccer on Facebook and Twitter. Now let's move ahead to the Chicago Fire's next match, Saturday, June 3rd, 6.30 p.m. at Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati. One of the things I said with Jeff on our conversation um, over at Cincy Soccer Talks Jersey Swap podcast was, you know, Cincinnati is kind of a little bit of a blueprint that Chicago might be able to follow just down on their luck for a long period of time. They make a few key moves in the front office, a few key player signings and coaching signings. You can turn it around. Maybe they're not the specific example that you follow as the Chicago Fire, but they are an example of what an MLS club can do to quickly turn around a team and to get back on track. Uh, now, Jeff did point out, he's like, yeah, the Cincy way of doing things is kind of just copying Philly and bringing some of their people over. But hey, if it works, it works. It's Sports are copycat leagues, right? Anyway, we had a great conversation. Make sure you go check it out. We talked about a few of the players to watch. From the Chicago Fireside, um, we saw in the first matchup against FC Cincinnati, which was a, a ridiculous 3-3 draw, um, Brandon Vasquez missed a couple really good opportunities against Chicago that could have put that game away early. I don't believe Vasquez is going to be doing that again. However, 
Cincinnati does still have some injuries. I think Jeff mentioned that uh, Sergio Santos is out and a few other players. Now the fire also are a little thin in, in their depth due to injuries as well. But if the fire can get those counterattacking opportunities and get their shots off, they might be able to surprise FC Cincinnati here. However, Cincinnati still has Acosta, still has Vasquez, technically still has Brenner, but he's nursing a bit of an ankle injury before he actually makes his transition uh, back to Europe, um, or over to Europe, I should say. But they are still a very good team. You are not the top team in the league. You are not setting a 15-game MLS point streak uh, if you don't have depth, if you don't have other players you can rely on. Now, if we look at Cincinnati, and I'm looking at the website fbref.com, Cincinnati, starting in the back, their goalkeeping is actually pretty good. They have allowed four, six, the sixth least goals in the league, only 15 goals. Uh, and Celentano's save percentage is a 78.5. That's good enough for fourth in the league. Uh, so Cincinnati, starting with goalkeeping, does have a solid defense, right? Um, they're not really known for any any of, of these great defensive plays, right? It's been Acosta, Brenner, Vasquez. It's been all about the offense. It's been about Santos contributing as well. Uh, but Celentano in goal is, an, is having a very, very good season. Now, looking at their offense, like we've been mentioned, uh, Cincinnati has scored 24 goals on the year, uh, tied for fourth in the league. They also are top 10 on shots on target. They're second in the league on shots on target percentage. So the percentage of shots that actually are on target. So they, they are doing very well when it does come to creating opportunities and shooting. Um, they are right around their expected goals. So their XG on the season is 22.7. Their actual goals, 24. So Cincinnati is a statistically good team when it comes to creating uh, shots and shots on target. Not the best passing team. So maybe the Chicago Fire, with their pressing, can turn over and get into some quick counterattacks. Um, as a matter of fact, even on crosses, um, Cincinnati is towards the bottom of the league when it comes to crosses. They are third least in the number of crosses. So they are they they do not like playing those long balls into the box. They they want to push it up the middle through Acosta. Let's take a look at some other stats. We talked about the goalkeeping, but now let's talk about the defense specifically. They actually are leading the league in tackles in their own defensive third, right? Now, what is, how, how do you define a tackle, right? It's it's taking the ball off the opposing player's foot, essentially. Um, they are top five in number of tackles. Top five in number of tackles won the best team in the league when it comes to tackles in their defensive third. So they play excellent, excellent uh, defense when it comes down to um, that time in their third. And they do it. They are, let's see, 10th in the league, I believe. Three, six, nine. Yeah, 10th, it looks like, in the number of fouls committed. So they are not doing it by committing fouls. And they are about middle of the pack of the league in yellow cards. So those are kind of Cincinnati's strengths. Again, goalkeeping, um, defensive tackles, tackles one, 
and shooting on target and generating some shots where again, their weaknesses are in their passing and in their possession and the fire can take advantage of that if they can spring some counterattacks, right? Now, here's a little bit of trivia before we get into um, the odds and the predictions. The Fire have won only four of their last 22 road MLS matches dating back to last April. Chicago has scored three goals in all four of its road wins in that time, three of those coming in a 3-2 win at Cincinnati. So the Fire's terrible offense, not just the sign this season, it has gone back, especially in road games, for the last year or so, uh, last calendar calendar year at least. But but here's the positive history. The Fire have never lost an MLS game at Cincinnati. So they do have a little bit of positive history on their side, uh, which is is pretty much all Chicago fans for all sports can point to is, is history if they're looking for good stuff. Um, Chicago does have a pretty good history of scoring against Cincinnati, um, and but we will see how it occurs this season on the road. I am guessing that that trend does not continue. Now, let's take a look at the odds. This is according to BetMGM. Cincinnati is the favorite. They're at minus 150, so not like huge, huge odds in their favor um, if you're just looking at the odds to win the match. Um, you know, bet 100, win 100, or bet 150, win 100. That's what the minus 150 is here. So not not huge, huge favorites. But if you want to look at the difference, again, the Chicago Fire to win the game are at plus 350. So you can do it more than triple your money if you put a bet down on the Fire to win, and they do. But where I always kind of scratch my head is the odds makers are giving the Fire plus 350 odds, but they're giving the draw that this match ends in a tie plus 300. So they're saying it's almost as likely the fire draw as they do win, um, which is why Cincinnati is getting a little bit more money. And, th- and those are the similar types of odds and ratios when the fire played Toronto. And we saw that ended up becoming a draw. So maybe there is some value here to spread some money around on some of these Chicago fire results. However, my overall betting advice, not that I'm a gambler, not that I'm a savant, not that I'm following a lot of this stuff, and you can probably tell the way I'm talking about it. Just don't bet on the fire. There's too many variables. There's too much chaos. Don't bet on the fire. And if you are a Chicago Fire fan, don't. Just never bet on your home team. Anyway, that is all I wanted to say. Uh, coming off the TFC draw, coming off uh, or previewing the FC Cincinnati match, Again, I want to thank Jeff and everyone over at Cincy Soccer Talk for having me on on the Jersey Swap podcast that should be released uh, sometime tomorrow, Friday afternoon. Make sure you're following them on Twitter for all the details there. Follow along on social media, on Spotify especially, and YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I'm Nick for the Feed the Fire podcast. Let's go fire.